0: This is the Industrial IoT Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. We have seen the emergence of what I call modern Internet of Things. It's really the connectivity piece and the data aggregation piece that is usually missing in the infrastructure right now in the market. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Industrial IoT Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the show. Make sure you're subscribing to our kind of joint channel on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The Industrial IoT Podcast has kind of been eaten up by MarketScale Technology. So if you go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts, look up MarketScale Technology and MarketScale Radio, you'll find a plethora of different content, including upcoming and previous episodes of our IoT-specific show. So make sure you're subscribing there and going to marketscale.com slash industries. On today's episode, I'm joined by Adam Livesey. He's the co-founder of Elevate IoT. He's been on a few times, and we've chatted progression of IoT technology. Just for some context, Elevate IoT brings machine learning to industrial machines, and Adam and I today are going to be tracking the evolution of of IoT, from IoT 1.0 to the current iteration of IoT, which we'll coin IoT 2.0. We're going to break down what that evolution means for adjacent technology, for large-scale connectivity, and for solving enterprise commercial business problems. Adam, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Great. Hey, thanks for having me. Are you still based out of Seattle right now? We are, yep. We're downtown, uh, downtown Seattle. So, how's everything with the pandemic in Seattle? I know it was one of the uh, initial hotspots. Everything uh, progressing okay? Are things improving? How's it going?
1: Yeah. So, I think you know we we definitely got ahead of the curve, and I think that um, uh, Washington as a whole really took it serious from the get go. Um, you know, a lot of the big tech companies like Microsoft and Amazon started working remotely uh, in February, end of February, and we followed suit. So. Um, I think everyone's itching to get back out in front of customers, um seeing people face to face. But the remote work's been a pretty easy transition.
0: Well, good to hear. Yeah. I know uh, I know your governor acted fast and uh, doesn't get a lot of uh, a lot of attention, I think, for for his work he did there. So props to props to Washington for trying to take it seriously early, yeah. So, Adam, let's get into IoT and track that progression. Uh, right now, IoT is you know, where we're going to define it as uh, IoT 2.0. I want to back up and talk a little bit about what IoT 1.0 looked like. And uh, could you spend some time defining what IoT 1.0 versus IoT 2.0 really means? Uh, and then we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So... IoT 1.0, in the simplest of terms, was IoT was the solution. It was a solution for everything, right? We were all around um, this community and this environment over the last 10 years. And there wasn't a lot of high value business use cases. There was a lot of theory and there's a lot of marketing dollars. And I think a lot of science projects um, funded inside organizations. And so with IoT you know, 1.0, it was a buzzword that we had an IoT initiative or we had IoT solution or IoT platform or whatever the case was, um, but we didn't see a tremendous amount of, of real business value come out of that. And when we talk about IoT 2.0, where that really, really sits is IoT is just a feature. Companies now and businesses are really narrowing in on their business objectives and delivering business results. And that gets powered by, you know, not just IoT, but the cloud, edge, 5G, you know, um, and, and, and different types of uh, protocols. And so that's the big difference.
0: And can you track the evolution of the technology as well from 1.0 to 2.0? Has it, you know, gotten more open? Maybe in in the kinds of programs and use cases that can benefit off of IoT tech. Is that was has, uh, you know, maybe helped boost it from its uh, initial iteration to the current iteration? Um, has it just become uh, more financially accessible? Track some of that tech for me, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, you're spot on, right? So first, just the the economical you know feasibility of an IOT solution. you know the prices of sensors, really driven by, I would say the the auto industry has has made it more possible to deploy all these types of sensors to to monitor things in the field. the The cost and availability of telco has dropped significantly. You know, if you looked at a, a telco enabled IOT, Um, application. Um, It's almost 25% of where, where it was, you know, seven years ago, the cost, Um, the capabilities of the major cloud platforms, right? There were a lot of companies that wanted to build their own internal IoT platform, some of them still kind of exist today. But realistically, they're kind of four big players, right? The two largest, which is AWS, IoT and Azure. IoT, and then you have Google and IBM very closely behind them. I mean, even the big companies like GE Predix has partnered with Azure, and you know they're probably one of the most famous ones for the tens of billions of dollars they, they threw into IoT 1.0. And so that really helps accelerate when you have the major, major cloud players have uh, risen the sea the level for everybody, and now you can deploy IoT solutions faster. Um, it doesn't take you um, as much to to keep them up and running. Your operational cost five years ago, you need a full team of DevOps engineers running your operation team. Now these cloud companies just operate it as a service. Um, all those things combined um, have made it a lot more economical, economic feasible. And then other pieces, businesses learn what they didn't want with IoT 1.0, right? Right. Or what was too much blue ocean. And so they've become a lot more focused on what they want to deliver as a company.
0: Now, see, that last part is really interesting to me because I think uh, industries like, uh, I guess, like the IoT industry, but I guess more generally industries that will benefit from this connectivity, uh, I think because IoT even as very recently was just kind of getting its foothold in the commercial world uh, and was becoming accessible for more than just the largest companies was finally finding some, uh, some ground for medium and mid-sized and small companies. Uh, I think Those companies ended up having a lot of say in how should this technology evolve and how is it going to best suit us? And those B2B relationships grew with the needs of the customers. How have you seen the B2B needs kind of craft the direction of uh, IoT 2.0, directing both how the technology improves and also where new technology is developed to meet new industries and new use cases?
1: Yeah, that's, that's that's great. So, you know, traditionally in the, the SMB world, in the industrial space that we that we come out of, um, they're competing with the big national companies. Right. And so those big national companies can move forward very, you know, uh, rapidly. I don't know if rapidly is the right. word, are maybe with enough resources for a digital transformation. Um, and a lot of that can just be marketing material. Right. You see a lot of marketing content out there. The SMBs, to compete with them or to serve them, they need to uh, start to have their own digital offering. Now, they don't have the budgets to go out there and spend a bunch of money on professional services, right? Um, They really want products that can be deployed and configured and deliver these business outcomes. So they're looking for, do you have a warranty application for me, right, powered by IoT and the cloud and the edge and AI and that stuff? Or do you have a supply chain uh, solution for me? So they're looking for those very specific solutions because they know what their competitive advantage is or what their customers are asking for in the marketplace. So, in turn, by them forcing IoT companies to, to deliver, like Elevate, right, to deliver a, a, a turnkey product that solves a very specific business case, it forces us to get very focused and, and, um, on what we're delivering, because we know the SMBs can't sign up for large professional service contracts, and that has really helped crystallized, which was those 1.0 IoT companies where they really made the bulk of their revenue on professional services and consulting, and very little on product, and letting this other, you know, letting letting it filter out to these companies that are super focused on the business business case and delivering a true product to the marketplace. So. The SMBs with the with the the speed that they have to operate, with the competition they see in the marketplace, and quite frankly, with the lack of of uh, available funds for R and D science projects, it's really
0: uh, forced the industry to get very very focused. So let's transition now over to uh, what Elevate IoT does a little more specifically, because I think this can really showcase. How uh, you know contextually one company is reflecting some of those needs that you just broke down. Um, so one of the big things that Elevate offers for its customers is improving uptime. Uh, can you break down what that means, and then we'll get into um, tying it back to some of our previous points?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in our 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 go-to market and the area that we really focus on as an IoT company is. Um, industrial machine manufacturers and industrial machine fleets. So we don't look at stuff inside the factory wall. We really look at stuff outside the factory wall. So that's your construction equipment. That's your mining equipment, your, your energy equipment, your oil and gas equipment and so forth. When we work with these machine OEM builders or these fleet owners, we look at what we look at as uptime, but it's not just uptime. It's also what's my productivity that that machine's delivering. So just not is my machine on or running or idling or not, but how much yield is that machine producing of that product, right? What's the, what's the efficiency of that machine? Once we start looking at that data point, we know how that machine's operating and we know um, we can start looking at trends that once that productivity or that yield starts to decrease over time, there's probably something going on in the rest of the system of that machine. And what we do is we take an evolution where if we're tracking uptime and productivity, yield, so forth, and we start to look at over how that machine's systems or components or parts are deteriorating over time based on normal wear and tear of the operation of the machine, we we extend it to a condition-based monitoring approach, really looking at systems and subsystems and parts and correlating the two. We're starting to see that there are indicators from this type of, of this piece of the machine that these particular systems or parts are starting to to fail, or they're starting to get wear and tear, and that's having a negative impact on the output of the machine. Then, where we really tie it in is we take that information and we share it with the rest of the supply chain back upstream from that machine builder or that fleet. So everyone that is a supplier, if that's a distribution company or a supply company or the OEM itself, that they're making sure they're getting real-time indications and forecasts of when that machine needs to be serviced to guarantee the uptime and the the output it's producing. And then allow for that supply chain to to better serve their customers with parts and services and um, guarantee or help guarantee a more productive operation.
0: Has that solution of y'all's been informed by any of the evolution in uh, IoT 2.0 and some of the needs of your clients specifically? Has that helped, uh, I guess, bridge the gap between uh, this solution for IoT 1.0 and then having it evolve into IoT 2.0? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so... With, with this solution or, or these solutions, we go out to the, the
1: marketplace, the customers don't even want to talk IoT, right? They don't want to talk IoT, they don't want to talk cloud, they don't want to talk anything. What they're looking to do is, hey, I need to know the productivity of my fleet of machines, or I want to get better at maintenance of my machines, or I have an initiative to sell more parts and services. And we talk to them about what their business objectives are, and what does that mean for their business or their customer or the market, and then basically the general census is the technology companies have figured out how to do this. We're not worried about the technology anymore. We were 10 years ago. We're not anymore. We know that it's going to get powered by however you guys are going to do it. But the end result is we want to produce this economic impact for our company. And that's where all the discussions are. No longer are we talking about bits and bytes and, and cloud and, you know, telco and stuff like that. They believe that that's going to be taken care of uh, by us. All that they, they really care about is the business objective.
0: Now, this one is a little more tangible. Productivity is big. Uh, and that's probably one of the biggest reasons why anyone wants to bring IoT technology to their operation. It's often to find some efficiency between uh, disparate parts of an operation, of an organization, between different teams on an organization. Uh, and Elevate is able to help improve that productivity through your IoT solutions. Um, How does IoT assist in productivity? What does Elevate do specifically in that realm? And is there anything more specific about improving productivity that goes beyond just Having IoT in the first place, is there a more focused strategy to improve productivity, and especially with IoT 2.0 now, not just IoT in general?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll use a, a use case of like a cement truck, a volumetric mixer. Okay, these types of cement trucks, they they get all their ingredients from the the process center in the morning, the dispatch center. They go out into the 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 field, and they get work orders to go to certain sites. And they do the mixing at the site and disperse the, the content based on the the job order they've received. So what we've done with a lot of these companies is Elevate is taking the machine data, they're taking the the, the, the customer data. Someone calls into the, the the batch company, they have an order for X amount of yards of a certain type of cement mix at this at this commercial site, and that dispatcher can digitally send that work order out to that, that fleet operator. As that fleet operator is going out, Elevate is on there listening to a lot of the sensors and monitor on the machine, making sure that um, all the mixtures are in the right operating temperature, they have the right water content, all that stuff that matters to the actual recipe of the, the machine. As it pulls into the job site, we, we give them a geolocation. Yeah, the trucks arrived at this time and they start pouring the cement we validate that it's the right mixture we validate that they got 18 yards of their order and then we take all that machine data and that process data and we send it back up to the dispatch center so the dispatch center can invoice the customer all that stuff becomes automated now what you have is we're constantly checking the testing of that that cement mix Um, the operators no longer have to do that several times a day because it's being done 24 seven. So we're saving a ton of energy there. Um, we They don't have to do any of the admin stuff. So now it's, it's, it's accurate, it's fast, it's low touch. We've taken that out of the responsibility of the operator. They can really do what they're good at. And then if there is an anomaly in the mixture, we're able to feed that back to the dispatch center so they can get ahead of the problem and fix it before they release more concrete mix out to the industry. Um, and then over time, what they're doing is they're looking at a tremendous amount of applications of, of the cement mix all around their city or their state or their region. And they're starting to see where that variance happened between temperatures and and applications and different types of truck manufacturers. Um, and that's helping them improve their product long term. And so, again, there's a ton of business stuff that's happening there that the IoT is just kind of getting the data and get into the right systems. And it's really helping... Um, you know, revolutionize the way that, that these companies are are running in their business and, and delivering the product to their customers.
0: Mm. Especially when we see IoT put into uh, manufacturing spaces and, and spaces where that connectivity is supporting large-scale machinery, uh, a big concern I'm sure you hear from your clients is, well, what about machine life? Can IoT help predict needs for repairs, help maximize an equipment's life cycle, maybe extend it. Um, How does Elevate address those concerns? Uh, And has Industry 2.0 changed that dynamic of IoT supporting uh, machine life?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So where we see the biggest ROI for this is it's really tying in the longevity of the machine with the standard operating conditions of the machine, making sure it's, it's operating inside the manufacturer's warranty, um, also making sure that the maintenance has been has done at the right time by the right types of parts um, and services. And that's where our customers have realized that a, a lot of low-hanging fruit is just making sure that the machine is serviced um, and operated the way it was designed for. Um, the biggest impact we've seen initially out of the gates is customers are starting to see their machines have been over-designed and Mm over-built. And so they really build it for like worst case scenarios um, out there in the industry. So we've actually have a lot of manufacturers now that are looking at their operational data, their machine, and realizing they can build a more efficient machine. Um, A machine that, to your point, lasts longer, a machine that might have less moving parts, um, it might be downsized, um, they've never had that actual operational and maintenance data before, um, and being able to compare it to their to their uh, legacy, you know, designs. So that's where we see it. I think there are, you know, uh, initiatives or ideas that they're going to be able to. Our customers are going to be able to look at it over the long term and run some analysis on how to extend it, you know, farther than uh, the, the the typical life cycle. But we're still early there right? There's not enough data across, in most cases, across enough machines. I mean, the GE engine scenario about GE leasing their engines, before they could start leasing their engines to the airlines, they collected 10 years of data of all their engines flying all over the world. So the amount of data that you're really going to need to move to a, a machine for a service scenario or an extended longevity service is is out there. But, because of the ROI companies are now getting in, in IoT 2.0, they can start to plan for that next wave of, of IoT.
0: All right, Adam, last main point for you, because uh, I know we're on a tight sketch. Uh, we've talked you know, about IoT 2.0. What do you think IoT 3.0 is going to look like? Where is there still room for the industry to adapt and better meet the needs of its users? and what can professionals in the IoT industry do to continuously i guess push their services and their technology for that next evolution whatever that might look like
1: yeah i think the 3.0 IoT 3.0 is really going to be business units or um, or people inside uh, the customers the, com- the 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 manufacturers that are their digital uh, champions, they're digital product owners of digital leads, and it's no longer going to be a new product or service, but it's going to be threaded through the DNA of everything they do. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of a joke, you know, when we think of back when, you know, the internet first came out and uh, this company in Seattle was, you know, had a, a website that was selling books and everyone just thought it was a cute website and no one realized that Amazon was completely disrupting the entire supply chain right that they had a a big initiative i think you're going to see the same thing in 2.0 now people are starting to get their first product and services and it's a thing they offer or part of the business they offer the next wave it's going to be threaded into how their entire business operations run so um it's going to be this this next major wave and it's just gonna be part of the dna and i don't even know if it'd be called iot right i think we'll be fully in the digital transformation at that point and um we'll just be a feature in that, that larger ecosystem.
0: All right. Adam Livesay, co-founder of Elevate IoT. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Uh, if folks want to find out a little bit more about Elevate, some of the uh, services you provide, or just learn more about where IoT is at today, where should they go? Yeah. Our website, elevate-iot.com um, and, uh, and, or find us on, on LinkedIn. Fantastic. All right, Adam, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast always a pleasure getting to chat. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the podcast. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure you head to marketscale.com industries. You can head to our industrial IoT homepage there. You'll find plenty of videos, podcasts, and articles, but we have plenty of content from a variety of different industries as well. So make sure to check out those other verticals as well. Go ahead and give us a follow and a subscribe on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, where you'll find previous and upcoming episodes of the show. And you can also leave us a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.